This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I think Illinois is really good. Like national title good, yeah. I mean, a team that could win it. Absolutely. I mean, they've got all the pieces. And as Coburn gets more experience, and, and he will... You know, that combination with he and Vishanishvili, but their freshman guards are terrific. Dasumu is a national player of the year candidate. Trent Frazier can guard just about anybody, and DeMonte Williams is fantastic. This is, this is an excellent basketball team. Miller can shoot the heck out of it as well, and you know that under Brad Underwood, they're going to play super hard. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ross Tucker on the bet. BetQL and Radio.com have partnered up to help you beat the sports books. BetQL helps sports bettors of all types, from the first-time bettors to hardcore, make more informed betting decisions using data and analytics. BetQL Daily at BetQL Daily on Twitter. Here weekdays, 10 a.m. to 1 Eastern, 8 to 11 Mountain on the bet, 1430 in Denver, and the Radio.com app. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Colin Wilson from uh, the Action Network, senior writer over there. He also co-hosts the Action Network College Basketball Podcast, and uh, he's on Twitter, at underscore Colin, numeral one. One of the reasons love having Colin on the show is the man has opinions. He can do everything. College basketball, college football, NFL, Major League Baseball. The man caps college baseball and wrestling. So let's welcome into the show, Colin Wilson. Uh, Colin, let's get into some college hoops. I've noticed that you've been posting tempo stats a whole lot this season. Is that at the top of the list uh, on a daily basis, one of the first things that you look at? Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, There are books that put games out the day before, and we're talking early, not even like it used to be the night before. And if, you, if you're the kind of person that scalps baseball – you're looking at projected pitchers. You're looking at maybe if a bullpen's been emptied and you're taking that line around 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night when books release it. And you're looking for to scrape it before first pitch. And with basketball now, these games are coming out more than 24 hours in advance. And I wanted to develop some sort of, hey, I know these two teams are super slow or I know these two teams are super fast and they don't defend the three very well. So I wanted a way to just have a, quick pull of the data so that when these lines come out, if any odds makers are simply just pulling Ken Palm and putting a total together, maybe we can catch some of them. Well, how's it been going for you, Colin? <laughs> well, I mean, college basketball is probably the hardest sport. I know I've told Joe that before, like college football, 
I can make a profit. NFL, I can make a profit. Even betting on the WWE Royal Rumble, I can make a profit. But when you get to college basketball, I mean, we're talking, I had a, I think an under 130 and Air Force scored 16 points in the first half. And then last week there was 90 points in the second half. So college basketball is just, one of the hardest sports, uh, you know, especially in the COVID era. And now we're playing back-to-backs in some of these conferences. So it's, it's wild. I would say it's wilder than what's been going on with college football with last-minute delays and, uh, and all that. So I will be happy when the pandemic is over with and everything yeah. returns to a numbers-based and home-court advantage because home-court advantage means more in college basketball than any other sport. Yeah, I hear you there. Uh, before we get to the slate for this evening and over the weekend, I know that you're always looking for some uh, college basketball bombs, some big time future numbers. If you can find something triple di- digits, uh, that would be appealing to you. Sometimes there are seasons where where it's kind of obvious that maybe some of these long shots don't have a really good chance. Do you think this is setting up for complete chaos in March? I I think so, but at the same time, I'm not sure who's beating Gale, uh, Baylor and Gonzaga. I, I really don't know who's beating those two teams. There's Creighton can get hot uh, from the three point arc and beat anybody. Alabama can get hot from the three point and beat anybody. Uh, the Ramblers, uh, Loyola Chicago, can beat you down with size and beat you on the inside. They can give a lot of teams a lot of trouble. Uh, there's there's certain teams out there that go at a lightning pace and shoot threes and they're just really hot from the line. So maybe there's a team that's hot during the tournament and, you know, they've shown the ability to be able to hit it from any court, you know, outside of home. And those kinds of teams maybe can give Gonzaga and Baylor problems. As much as I would love to say that, yeah, you should take a loyal Chicago 350 to one, which I did last week, or, Hey, right now, Colorado state is about to surpass Boise and they're going to start being mentioned in bracketology as a team from the Mountain West that's going to get into the tournament. So you should buy their 250 to one. As much as I love those narratives, and I think they're good prices at, at the right times, I just don't know who's beating the Baylor and Gonzaga this year. So, Colin, two things. One is if college basketball is that hard, maybe you should just trail our, our producer, Eli Hershkovich's pick because <laughs> he's money. He's been money since I've been following him. Number one, number two, I didn't know. Is that true that home court advantage is most significant in college basketball? I didn't realize that. How many points do you usually do they usually attribute it to? Well, you have to think about what the team is. I know Ken Palm tracks home court advantage, and really, when you think about it, this is the sport that has the most influence on the referees. This is the sport where you can get the crowd closest and it turns into more personal fouls against the visiting team than it does against the home team. And it's just proven record that you can give Grand Canyon, uh, you know, a huge bump, like six points to the spread. So to a neutral site between two teams, you give Grand Canyon six points because their student section is one of the ones that wraps around the first five rows of the building. Duke does the same thing. The student section wraps around the first, you know, few rows of the building. Most of the student sections, like I graduated from Arkansas, they put them in one section and they make them fill up all the way up to the top of the bowl. Not with some of these others. And I mean, some of these courts, they're on top of you. I mean, if you've been in Allen Fieldhouse, which I have, it doesn't matter if you're at the top or if you're down at the bottom, you're looking straight down on the court. It's, it, it, it's, it's crowded. Uh, it, has, it has an effect on the refs and how many personal fouls they call on the home team versus what they call on the visitors. And there's nothing like it in football. So it. It definitely is home court advantage is the biggest in college basketball than it is anywhere else. 
with Colin Wilson on the bet. Colin, a senior writer for the Action Network. Colin, anything uh, that you like for Friday night? What do you, anything tonight? I know we've got the full, everything going on Saturday per usual. A couple ranked teams in action tonight. Uh, anything appealing? Yeah, I took a Longwood Presbyterian uh, under. Uh, their tempo is 336 and 317th, and they're, they're two of the most terrible shooting teams in the Big South. So it's going to be extremely slow. Uh, they play good D. Uh, I, I like that to go under. I'd probably look around, you know, 126, 125. Uh, try not to get anything, you know, under that is probably doesn't have any value. I know Texas State is playing at home for the first time since December 15th, and they're taking on uh, a, a terrible Louisiana team when it comes to, uh, you know, offense and defense, especially in the rebounding. And I think tonight Little Rock is going to absolutely roll. So uh, those are three teams I've got my money on. All right, so Colin, I'm thinking about later today in our lightning bets. I might place a bet on Illinois, Iowa. We came back from break. You heard Jay Billis talking about Illinois. What are your What are your thoughts on the Illini and the Hawkeyes tonight? Yeah, I don't. I mean, if we're spotting Iowa two points, you have to take it, right? I mean, when you have Luca Garza, I know Illinois has two superstars. Uh, but I think at any point when you can get two points or even two and a half points, I see we've steamed out a couple books at three points. <laughs> it's it, 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 uh, another book. So, uh, you know, I think if you can get the points with Iowa, you're going to take it. I would take Iowa on a neutral court against almost every other team, not named Baylor and Gonzaga. And if you're going to give me points, uh, you know, in this pandemic where the you know, the crowds are limited and the, and the refs don't have as much, uh, you know, advantage for the home team with the with the fouls i would take a three i believe you know ken palm sets this at a two so anything iowa that you get at two and a half and above has got value according to ken palm but you know this is just going to be a game where i was just going to spot up and 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 you're going to have to stop them and i don't think anybody can stop uh luca garza so it, this is i would take iowa two and a half or better any saturday games you expect to be targeting Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I, I really like that. There's a lot of SEC Big 12, and and for some reason, after I did a study on a, a bunch of them, I ended up leaning with Big 12 and almost all of them. Like Texas Tech, uh, they're coming off of two losses. They're going to go into LSU, and they're just going to dominate the boards. Speaking of dominating the boards, West Virginia is going to wipe the glass on both sides of the course against uh, both sides of the court against Florida. Uh, huge rebounding edge there. And so I like West Virginia, you know, minus four, minus anything, especially with Texas Tech coming off two losses. Uh, I'd even take them to swallow points on the road. And then if you look at, you know, my Razorbacks against Oklahoma State, that might be the one game where I could back Arkansas. But, you know, we've had two uh, injuries that are just being mentioned, uh, you know, coming off of our last game against Ole Miss uh, to Justin Smith, Desi Sills. So I, I Arkansas may be a game where I don't play on the Hogs, even though they've been hot because there's, it looks like there's a couple injuries to key players. And then finally, Kentucky and Texas. I like the under in that game because Texas is a three-point shooting team, and they look absolutely horrid against OU, who is a terrible perimeter defensive team. So I don't know what happened to Texas the other night. 
absolutely terrible in the half-court offense, and they're going up against a very long and athletic Kentucky defense. And Kentucky can't shoot the ball. So Kentucky-Texas under uh, is one of the big ones I've got center, uh, in my focus. All right, so Colin, believe it or not, I was a little bit of an Arkansas basketball fan growing up. Because my dad, my dad would call on Walmart so much for his job, and all they cared about was Razorback basketball. I remember going when they were in the Eastern Regional. Might have been the year they lost to North Carolina. I went to their team hotel. I was like 12. I got Corliss Williamson's autograph, Scotty Thurman, Dwight Fat Flight Stewart. Uh, I'm trying to think Alex Diller. I'm trying to think who else names I can remember. From that well, team, they were awesome. They were so fun to watch. What happened to Arkansas basketball? That's well. I, so, a little background on me for for any of the listeners. I grew up in Bentonville, Arkansas, home of Walmart. My parents both work at the home office, and I was a freshman at the University of Arkansas when we won the national championship against mm-hmm. Duke. And then I was a sophomore, and we lost to UCLA the next year. So, uh, these names you're throwing out are as near and dear to me as the Lee Mayberry, uh, Todd Day, and Oliver Miller days in the early 90s. So, you know, Arkansas basketball went through a huge change. We made the tournament, I think, 14 years in a row before we missed in 1997. And really, it was a Nolan Richardson versus Frank Broyles. Some some issues got, you know, some social issues got caught up in there. Uh, The recruiting stopped. The pipeline to Memphis stopped. And really, that was because Calipari – said we have no reason at Memphis State and everybody remembers Memphis State at the time we have no reason to play Arkansas because they keep coming in and stealing our recruits those names you just reeled off the the Dwight Stewart's the Corey Beck's uh those players all came from the Memphis region and Arkansas's pipeline over to Memphis got cut off in the Calipari days and that really hurt the our team and then when you move us you know into the southeastern conference uh, you know, other basketball teams got better. I mean, Mississippi State made the Final Four in 96. I mean, uh, Florida made the Final Four uh, the same year we did. So, uh, you know, other teams in the SEC just got better. And it was not uh, – SEC's never been a good geographical fit for us. Uh, and we're a football – we claim to be a football school, yet we're better in baseball and basketball than we ever were in football. So, um, you know, the recruiting stopped. The Nolan Richardson era did not end well. We had Dana Altman as a coach for a day. Uh, we we had a John Pelfrey era that is probably the more for, most forgettable uh, thing I'd lo- ever have in my entire life is when John Pelfrey was our coach. Um, you know, the Stan Heath days, bringing him in from Kent State after they made an Elite Eight run, none of these panned out. And the recruiting never got any better. And we were losing in-state recruits. You think of Malik Monk that just played at Kentucky? He went to Benville High School where I went to high school. And he was, I mean... I mean, he has family ties to the University of Arkansas, and he's literally in the backyard of the University of Arkansas campus, and he goes to Kentucky. And so that really kind of shows you how much the, the program – now, the program's last two years under Musselman, we finally have a recruiter and a motivator. It's been hard to find a coach that can do both of those things. Um, you know, the, I think the trifecta is recruiting, motivating, and X's and O's, and we've at least got two of those three. Yeah, reminds me of what's been happening in recent years with Illinois, but it looks like they're uh, back on uh, the right track finally. Colin Wilson, our guest, senior writer from the Action Network here on The Bet. Colin, uh, college football, one of your passions. Uh, You do a great job breaking it down throughout the season. Are there any futures or highs, whether it's title or Heisman bets you already have, have jumped on? I have not, Joe. I mean, usually I have a bet in by now. 
the problem that I'm having is I'm working on a returning production sheet and I don't know which seniors are coming back at some of these G5 programs and some of these other programs where, like, if you look at Alabama, for instance, they're running back, you know, Brian Robinson, who was a senior, but he's decided to return. So we have juniors that are exiting for the NFL draft and we have seniors that have used up all their eligibility that are also coming back. So it makes it hard to gauge uh, where an offensive lineman, you know, is this offensive line that was loaded with seniors? Are those seniors coming back? And until we know like who's still enrolled and who's going to be in spring practices, it's really hard to gauge to know how much talent is going to be on that team. I think it's important, you know, I, we're going to know here real quick with, with, you know, enrollment coming to an end at most of these universities and spring practices, even starting like in the next week at some of these, uh, I still don't have, uh, you know, any bets down in the future, mostly because we don't know who's going to be on some of these teams, but you know, I think it's safe to say that, you know, I, Oregon was a team that was going to return everybody. Uh, I was absolutely in love with their offense and defense, uh, but then they lost Andy Avalos. He went on, uh, the defensive coordinator went back to Boise to be their head coach. Uh, so that's kind of a knock there. USC is going to return everybody to their roster. Uh, but, you know, there's still, you know, Clay Helton on a hot seat. There's still Graham Harrell in the air raid offense that somehow can't function for the first three weeks of the season and then somehow gets on a hot streak. So, yeah, Colin, you know, I'm sorry, uh, we're a network now, so I got to interrupt you real quick. We'll get you on again. We'll get a full breakdown once we have a better idea what's going on with college football. Thanks for the college hoops information.